This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. The Freedom Film Fest has become a, a quite a fixture around here in the Malaysian cultural calendar um, for highlighting documentaries on human rights, on social justice, and particularly those that are relevant to Malaysia and to this region. So usually the festival is coupled with various live events and talks and it really is a festival of sorts. But this year um, has, of course, limited a lot of that. So the 2020 Freedom Film Fest is taking place completely online from the 10th to the 13th of December via cloudtheatres.com. And this year, the theme is Bangsa Manusia or Race Human. Joining me today to tell us more about the festival are the directors of the Freedom Film Network, Anna Ha and Brenda Danker. Thank you for joining me, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Maybe first off, we'll start with the obvious question, right? Um Besides the fact that the festival is happening online, which is in itself a big change for the festival, um, how has this year impacted the Freedom Film Festival as a whole? Uh, this year, this year actually we have us- our usual festival we would have like forty to fifty films. Uh, so this year we have um, around eighteen films only, and uh, so it's it's kind of impacted us in that way that um, we're thinking that you know. Um, we kind of put more focus into Malaysian local films and those that we've made rather than try and have a whole array of other films which, you know, uh, would last more than a couple of days. Lah. So in that sense, uh, that is one of the impact that uh, we have less films. But in a way, they're all our own films and we're very, very excited about them. Um, every year we uh, provide a grant for film productions uh, so that we can highlight stories from Malaysia. Um, and because the stories that we tell are voices from the marginalized communities, I found that actually it didn't really affect us uh, being able to commit to produce films. So this year, I think we have six Malaysian films that uh, we produced for the festival. Um, and we covered, again, a variety of uh, communities. Um, and our aim is, uh, as, you, as, uh, as per before, is to reach out uh, and to speak about the stories that are untold and uh, to kind of like talk about the reality on the ground. Mm. At which point in this year did you kind of make that hard call and decide the festival is going to happen online? Uh, very late. So we went, everybody keeps asking, you know, from the first time the CMCO started, you know, so what's going to happen, what's going to happen, you know, is it going to take place? And they said, oh, not sure, not sure. And in the end, we decided, okay, we have to premiere the films on ground, you know, the Malaysian films, and we will try to do something online. So we minimize just to like maybe three, three, uh, three evenings where we premiere the films and then the rest will be online. And then the second CMCO mm. hit, you know, so it's like, oh, no, okay. And at that point, we said, no, you know, we, 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 we won't be able to do that, you know, uh, have this on-ground festival. So it was like maybe, was it um, November that we decided this? Was it November? Yeah, during the CMCO, the second CMCO time. And yeah. and what kind of, um, you know, logistical changes and and sort of just rethinking what a festival means when it goes online, what, what were some of those processes that happened? Um, actually, what we were doing earlier on this year was uh, also an online screening and discussion, 
almost like what we do uh, for our festival where we uh, screen a film and we did this online. And um, then we had the panel of discussion just to kind of keep this conversation going, especially about the marginalized communities, uh, bring out these voices. So we were doing this earlier and this became like our practice ground. So we kind of like uh, adapted and uh, really got on on uh, getting our festival uh, to become digital quite fast because we've done it one round and be like, okay, now that we've done this, we've learned our mistakes and we knew what we could achieve. And uh, yeah, so then we started to plan for the festival. So these were conversations that you were already doing before the festival, like throughout this year, is it? Yeah, from the beginning when the first CMCO started, we decided that because we already had a programs that we were not running because of the the CMCO. So we tried to bring it online. Then, uh, so we also used that that uh, particular opportunity to kind of um, experiment and to um, see what can be achieved online because for our kind of work, interaction is very important, you know. And so how could we adapt and, you know, learn how to make things still quite uh, intimate, you know, and meaningful and focused, mm. even though it's like suddenly your world became everybody, you know, you know, you're talking to everybody and you're coming from everywhere. Uh, yeah, so that's one, that, that was really good. Lah, that <laughs> It really helped us prepare for now. Right. Um, yeah. I was just thinking, however, um, given that these are documentaries, um, you know, how was, how was the filmmaking itself impacted by the pandemic? You know, did you find that it was more difficult to call for entries? Did you find that the filmmakers were finding it difficult to go out and actually make the films? We were quite careful as in, um, in terms of like understanding the situation and understanding what we could do and what we could achieve as well. Um, the good thing that the festival this year is in December rather than in September so we had an additional three months, which was very useful for the filmmakers to be able to uh, cover really in depth of the stories. Um, and our filmmakers are great. They also adapted to uh, how they could film. Um, and the stories are rather personal. So they could follow through uh, the journey of the characters in their films, the protagonists, and uh, they could do it over a longer time. And uh, they were also following uh, the times, the situation, how critical it was to see a person at a certain point because of COVID or to step back and say, okay, let's do this in another way. So it was quite creative uh, process as well for the filmmakers. Mm. And uh, the films are almost ready. <laughs> we're quite uh, excited to show it uh, in a while. I mean, in that festival, uh, it's really good. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it was kind of impacted because... Uh, Initially, there's confusion of, okay, can we go and shoot, you know? What do we need? What kind of permissions we need? Uh, then um, after that, uh, okay, now we can shoot, but then do we wear a mask? Do we shoot? Does the, our protagonist also have to wear a mask? Mm, like on know? screen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's all these uh, things that we, I mean, we, we were really kind of serious about trying to keep to the, what do you call it, uh, SOPs and stuff like that. Um, and they kept changing, and you know, you know? <laughs> But uh, generally, like what Brenda's, Brenda said, that extra time, you know, because the festival is in September, now it's in December, it kind of gave us that extra leeway. So in the end, it kind of balanced out. Yeah. But uh, like some of our filmmakers, they were impacted in the sense that uh, one of our film grant winners this year uh, is Lily Fu. And uh, she's, she's doing a story on the elderly. Yeah. And uh, she had wanted, she had planned to focus on this uh, home for the elderly. 
and that was the you know during MC, CMCO time that's the first thing you know you're not going to go into elderly you know and, and infect them etc mm. so in the end she had to look for other options yeah so in that sense then her her topic kind of changed lah. right I think that was the one that really was impacted yeah you also had like stories that were out of KL and our filmmakers were in KL so then they needed to plan when they could go in uh, film in the outstation locations um, but yeah, generally they were very adaptable to times and they were very quick to act. So when things were okay and things were fine to go and it was safe for everyone, then they quickly acted upon it. And when things became a little bit uh, on a higher risk, then they kind of like took a step back and said, okay, let's focus on writing, let's focus on editing, let's focus on, you know, different areas of production. Mm. I forgot one uh, really, um, we were actually ah. shooting our short film with Orang Asli Girls and there were like 30 of 30 of us <laughs> in Bido when the in, what CMCO was uh, announced oh wow the last one. So mm. like, oh my god in the yeah. midst of shooting yes yeah. wow yeah. I think we when before we left there were a lot of concerns and there were people who were a bit anxious as well but uh, we kept you know to a smaller group uh, and we, we built upon um, the kind of relationship we had with the people that we were visiting and to check in as well. So there was a lot, a lot of conversations going on to protocols, to SOPs, and a lot of planning. And then also like, okay, if CMCO happens, what do we do? And because uh, we work with young women, so their family members were also concerned. Mm. So there was a lot of thought and a lot of like um, different uh, steps or possible steps that we needed to consider. Yeah, so that all those were kind of discussed. Lah. So if you ask us about filming during CMCO time, I think we can write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> and what a what an unusual experience that must have been. Um, I'm also curious, I do want to get into what, you know, the, the, the themes and the stories of the films are, but I'm wondering how big a presence does the pandemic and this year play in the in the films themselves, do do many of the films choose to address the address COVID nineteen? Mm, no, mm, but yeah, I mean, looking at the, the films now, none of them directly um, addressed it mm. in their films. Mm-hmm. Mm, you can just see some people wearing masks here and there. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so we do need to take a quick break but um, when we come back I do want to hear more about the theme and the films that are being featured this year I'm speaking with Anna Har and Brenda Danker they are the directors of the Freedom Film Network and we're talking about the Freedom Film Fest 2020 which is happening entirely online this year for the very first time from the 10th to the 13th of December we'll be back after a short break you're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture BFM 89.9 Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with Anna Ha and Brenda Danker. They are the directors of the Freedom Film Network and we're speaking about Freedom Film Fest 2020 that's happening online this year from the 10th to the 13th of December. This year's theme is uh, Bangsa Manusia or in English, Race Human. Um, how did you arrive at this theme? So um, usually every year for the festival, we try and like find a theme which we feel is um, relevant or kind of uh, kind of uh, suitable for the our times, and it's kind of like Malaysian centered. So I guess um, last year and the beginning of this year, 
you know, I found that there was a lot of so-called um, race. I mean, of course, race always being brought up, but it was like heightened, you know, because of most probably political issues, etc. And also the refugee and migrants being, uh, you know, so, um, what do you call it, uh, singled out, you know, during the MC, uh, during this uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, so we thought that, okay, we should kind of address this or in a way say that in the end, we're all human, you know. Stop discriminating, lah, you know. <laughs> so also like we, I mean, could have gone like Bangsa, Malaysia, but that would have been too narrow, you know. So that's why in the end, we, we chose Bangsa Manusia, you know. And that's also in keeping with the fact that uh, we're a hu- internet, uh, human rights uh, kind of a festival. It's about equality and dignity. So it kind of fit in, lah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The festival does highlight both local and regional documentaries. Um, do you want to tell us about some of the ones that, maybe some of the highlights that, that we shouldn't miss? Maybe we can start with the Malaysian ones first. Very hard for us to say because all, all are like our babies, you know, you're making us choose which one to see. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe the better place to start would be um, to tell us about the grant winners the, because you do give out the Freedom Fest grant every year. Um, tell us about the films that were funded by it. One of the films uh, that we gave the grant to is uh, a film on elderly rights. Uh, so we've known Lili Fu for a while now. We've collaborated with her organisation that's called Seniors Allowed. Uh, over the last few years with Freedom Film Fest and uh, we've always very uh, passionate about this issue on uh, elderly rights and it's also something that's not really covered uh, quite well in the mainstream media Um, and it was really important we thought that uh, we should kind of focus on this story and trying to see what uh, how can we reach out you know to talk about the issues that is facing by this generation and uh, Lily Hu is incredible she's um, a gerontologist She's an elderly person herself, and uh, now she's uh, made this film. And uh, with this film, she's uh, wanting to transform or create this uh, place where people can come and start speaking about this issue. Um, so we thought it was a very good collaboration. It's a really good project, and uh, it's also very timely uh, because um, this issue is really unheard of, and uh, we need to talk about it. So the other film is uh, Ayaku Dr. G. Um, we were also, uh, when we heard about this film project, we were like, oh, this is such an important issue. It's really pointing out to the injustice faced by this man um, who's been in prison for the last three years plus, uh, just waiting for his trial to be, you know, for his trial to happen. And um, this case was something that we thought was uh, important to be discussed and uh, it is a, something that is uh, against human rights. It's about death penalty. It's about uh, how a family is affected. Yeah, I think um, the films that we have uh, this year, I think really comes from groups that are stigmatized. Yeah, mm. and um, just apart from these two films, there's also uh, another film that we chose to, in the end, support even though did not get the grant, you know. Uh, and it was um, a film on uh, paddy farmers. Mm. Another group that I feel that um, has been stigmatized uh, in a way that uh, so much so that the title of the film is called Petani Bukan Pemalas. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. You know, mm. I, I mean, it's something that maybe from the old days, you know, like, oh, you know, farmers, you know, they are lazy people or whatever, you know. 
So um, this was another film that we thought was really interesting and you seldom hear from farmers, you know, and from their own point of view. So um, we decided to also have a film this year, you know, and to um, showcase it at our festival. So this, these three films, I think, are the three films that I think uh, no one should miss. Now, the Freedom Film Fest has always um, also spotlighted regional documentaries. And I do know that, uh, you know, uh, you said earlier that you've had to cut down on the number of films that you're featuring and so on because of the fact that it's been a difficult year. Um, but I was wondering what the regional films were that we'll be able to catch at this festival. Okay, I think uh, the main one would be a Singapore repro- retrospective. Mm. Uh, our Singapore partners said that this year, let's um, focus on some of the Singapore documentary or social filmmakers, you know, who have done things that are, you know, relevant to Singapore and also very into social films. So this year we have like, uh, I think around nine Singapore films uh, from maybe Martin C., Pinpin, Din, and the four, yeah, from four Singapore filmmakers. So you see their films, they are not current, but after watching their films, uh, which are carefully selected, you get to actually have a conversation with the filmmakers uh, to kind of get into their minds what they were thinking when they were making these films. So I feel these uh, four film, Singapore filmmakers are actually uh, kind of prominent and important uh, filmmakers lah, mm-hmm. from Singapore. So the screenings will be followed by a live um, discussion? Yes, yes, with the filmmakers, yes. And uh, apart from that, uh, we have very, very few uh, other Southeast Asian films, but we have two very interesting ones. And these are two animations, two animations uh, that we're going to feature. Uh, and it's by a young female, uh, not young, but a female animators. And they take on issues uh, either about themselves as uh, young women or about other women's stories. Yeah. So that one, one we have is a, a Philippine story. And um, the other one that we have is an Indonesian story. Right. Yeah. And those are both animated. Animated and they're very interesting. Like it's quite current like that for me. Like the, the Philippines one was like how this uh, young female activist um, is... Um, kind of um, dealing with the the politics, you know, the politics and their president, Duterte, and the, you know, that kind of a thing. And it's and the animation really shows her emotions, you know, with something that maybe like, uh, even like just documentaries can't show, mm. but somehow animation does it. And the other one, the, the, the Indonesian one, is uh, this, uh, a, a daughter whose, whose father, the, the whole family was a victim of the Indonesian... Um, uh, when they had the communist uh, ah, during the Suharto era, so the, the 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 father was a journalist, and so the whole family was like uh, had to suffer this um, siege la, almost, you know, and so and all these years the daughter and the family had to live with this again like stigma, you know, you cannot tell that you were your father is part of this or that, right? And so now uh, another filmmaker comes and hear that story and now she's animated it. So it's also a way of releasing, you know, that uh, these uh, stories of healing and trauma through animation because some things you just can't cover because sometimes it's sensitive, maybe the face. Mm. Yeah, that brings me to the next film, which actually uh, is a Malaysian animation uh, by uh, none other than Yati Kaprawi. Uh, she's made uh, several films for the Freedom Film Fest. And this year, 
she's uh, dwelling, delving into claymation. Wow. First. It's really, really cute. Uh, so what happened was she did an interview with uh, a lady. Uh, I think her pseudonym is Kakton. And it's actually a lady who um, uh, who's suddenly be, uh, was in a polygamous marriage and um, still couldn't get uh, free or kind of couldn't get divorced from the husband. And then um, she really... It's, this this is a story of how she overcame it uh, and then is now like a successful carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> what a brilliant way to... Uh, I mean, the form, the claymation form. Uh, yeah. Because first of all, you can preserve anonymity. Um, but also for a pandemic year, it's it's a form of filmmaking that you don't have to expose yourself to risk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, that's, that's really cool. And that film is called Sulo by Yati Kaprawi. And it also is a premiere. So one of the things that I was thinking about was, um, you know, every year Freedom Film Fest, it, it becomes kind of a an event to go to and there are conversations. Often there are, uh, you know, there are booths, there are other things happening. Um, <clears throat> with the festival migrating online, um, you know, are you a little worried about losing that <laughs> festival feel? Uh, do you hope to emulate that in some other way? I think personally, this is the time where I think everybody is very is feeling that it's time that we can actually do something uh, wherever we are. Um, you know, we are at home, we are in a place where it's safe and we can go online. And this is that time where they can actually access the stories through our digital uh, platform and uh, do something when they've heard these stories. Uh, and all our films are tied into a campaign. Uh, so there is a call to action and everybody can, uh, after watching the film and hearing from the filmmakers and the community, uh, then they can actually do something. And I think that's something positive. Um, so yes, we are not together physically, but we're still together um, in spirit. And uh, I think that's something that everybody um, is connected at this point of time you know mm. where we are unable to meet but at the same time we are still attached to one another and still wanting to make positive changes yeah on one of the things that we trying uh, we tried to do actually uh, is that we prioritize um, planning the campaign earlier uh, coming up with more uh, infographics and short videos and you know websites and pages so that um, when um, the, after the viewer watch, they immediately have uh, things to go to where they can um, then interact, you know. So we kind of brought that forward. Usually it's like, okay, everybody prepares for the premiere. Then later on, we do subsequent screenings and there's all these responses coming in. But we've kind of brought that forward where we really plan more carefully subsequent screenings and, you know, where all this information is already available so that uh, hopefully it, it helps. Lah. Mm. It helps uh, yeah. yeah, and just to add that, uh, add on to that, I think uh, like one of the films that uh, we collaboratively produced with uh, young or Asli women, um, they are really resilient. I mean, uh, even though they are right now in the village, but they are very excited, they're very eager uh, to find out, you know, like uh, how our films are going to be screened. We want to participate to make changes for our community. And I think this really keeps me personally inspired and I think uh, when people hear their voices through films and through their sharings, I think, yeah, we will achieve something really good. Mm. I think the other thing that's different from our festival is that um, 
say like if you have talk about the petani film or the elderly film or about uh, Dr. G or about the orang asli, we kind of, there's a buzz around that community created because they were involved in the film. You know, there's a high anticipation of that. So in that sense, then that is kind of like our first tier of crowd. Lah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, there's a buzz already, you know, at least within that community. Right. Which is, um, I hope won't change and I don't think it will because they've been texting us to ask us when's it. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to use, uh, you know, Zoom and whatever. Yeah, so that's the that's the other thing lah, that's quite good about that. Yeah, but I thought this one sort of like uh, plug a bit the Orang Asli films. Uh, the we're actually featuring two. They're supposed to be three, but the third one couldn't be done because of uh COVID lah. Supposed to be done in December, but they're really really special. I think for the first time you will see short fiction films done to quite a a high quality that is totally uh involved the girls and participatory from the beginning mm. to the point of uh you know production. And um, so these girls are also very excited. We are also very excited. It was really a collaborative event. Lah. So, and I think the community is excited. And um, yeah, just wanted to highlight and uh, plug it. Lah. Don't miss those two shows. I think they're going to be very special. And I think the Q&A after that is also going to be quite special. So actually, in that sense, the other, the, the, the positive side of all of this is that by going online, all of these films become so much more accessible to a larger audience that perhaps couldn't physically come to the festival for the premiere, but now are able to watch them online. Um, has that changed or shaped the way you think about the festival and perhaps for your future planning? I tell you this funny story that happened one, two days ago. So uh, usually at our festival and it's at PGLA, we have like 150 to 200 people. So we're thinking, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's what our so-called audiences will be. Then we're thinking, okay, you know, we will at least want that 150, 200 people at our festival to watch the films. So we kind of decided, okay, you know, first 150 passes, let's put it for free, you know? So everybody gets to watch, you know? Yeah. And it's not because of the CMCO and this internet stuff and they're missing out. But <laughs> what happened was, and this is what we learned, like within that first few hours, the 150 tickets were taken up. <laughs> I was going to announce at the end of our show that they're available, but I guess now there's no oh, point. <laughs> no, it's uh, 150 for every session. So, ah, every so some, session. some have. Yes. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> the learning point is that actually you are right, that um, apart from our regular audiences, suddenly it's like there's a lot more from everywhere coming, you know. Mm. And, and not uh, just in Malaysia, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. The tickets are still available actually. Mm. Uh, it's just that they will not be free, but right. uh, it still be accessible through the website. So in mm. that sense, then, has this experience given you a little bit of um, shift in terms of for future planning? Might you want to consider having a virtual component even if, even if live festivals uh, go back to being a possibility? I think it'll be like a hybrid. Mm. It's always been hybrid actually because um, we need both because our audiences that we reach, some are online, some are, you know, can, are not online. Yeah, we're really learning a lot. Yeah. I think what is key is that we keep innovating. Like uh, we try to understand if we want to reach the community that we want to reach, whether there is a digital divide or not and how are we going to achieve that. So if we have that target in our mind, then we innovate our program accordingly. Right. So um, on that note, actually, um, speaking of the communities that whose stories you're trying to tell, 
now that this is a virtual festival, are, have you figured out ways in which you can make it accessible for those who may not have access to the internet, for instance, or the ability to, you know, watch things that are being streamed? Sometimes it's a matter of getting used to it and you need to have like an incentive, right? So what happened is that prior to, I mean, now coming up, leading up to the festival, all our local partners are having uh, pre-screenings online. So they are also like inviting their usual community to, hey, please get online, you know. So what's happening with is that the community is like, okay, because they want to hear the story about them. And suddenly it's like, hey, how, 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 you know, they're actually learning or also learning the platform, you know. So it's kind of like warm up. So it's a matter also of training them and ma- making them learn. Uh. There's now the opportunity to learn. There's a reason why you need to learn how to get on Zoom or Facebook Live, you know. <laughs> so in that sense, that's good. Yeah, so we do try to give whatever way of support we can to the communities. And as Edna mentioned, we actually uh, went on Zoom with our community members for the first time. But it ha- it has a tedious process. We do trial runs. This is our secret. <laughs> we, we support with, uh, okay, do you need more data? Oh, you need a laptop. And sometimes we have many friends who are in that area will just say, we need someone to go to this village uh, so that we are able to communicate with the community there via online platforms like Zoom or something like that. Mm. So we just have to keep uh, looking for solutions together with the communities on how they are able to access and we are able to access their voices. So what happened is that usually our state partners would uh, have their festivals in their own uh, cities or towns, right? And it's on ground. So this year, they cannot do that. So what they're doing is actually hosting films that they feel is relevant to them online. So for example, you will have uh, the Miniti Sanjur, which is a film about the elderly, premiered on uh, December 10. But you will also see it hosted in Mandarin by our Johor partners. Ah, I see. Uh, same thing, uh, like the Petani, the Petani film, uh, it's, it's going to be premiered on December 11. Uh, but our partners in Langkawi, who, where they are also farmers, etc., they will host uh, their own session with the film. So they run the Q&A, you have local speakers and you get a local perspective. So you get that from Penang, Johor, Termelo even. But all you know? still online. Yes, all online. Right. Or you can, you can just kind of search for, for it. Mm. Any final message before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, if, if you have been to the festival, I think this online version will not be any different. And the thing is that the, the, the film that you're seeing and the protagonists and the communities, they all will kind of um, benefit from your presence and support, you know, and, and your questions. And I think that's the difference between our festival and many other festivals. It's a very strong sense of uh, community and support. And I think that is uh, maintains and remains. So uh, please come. And if you are new, you will uh, hopefully um, also then feel part of the community. Yeah. And I think I just want to add that um, I think our festival has, a, every film has a very unique voice. Um, voices that you don't hear or you don't see often enough. Um, and this is really important for us to be able to have a conversation about so, um, yeah, please join Freedom Film Fest this year. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you, Brenda. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Shamila.
I've been speaking with Anna Ha and Brenda Danker from the 2020 Freedom Film Festival, which is themed Bangsa Manusia or Race Human. This year, the festival is happening entirely online via cloudtheatres.com. Tickets for each screening are priced at five ringgit each, and there are also 150 passes being given away free for each film screening on a first-come, first-served basis. As you heard, some of them have already been taken up, but there's still some available. So for more information, go to freedomfilm.m. Why? If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.